It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Kyle's here for CLNS Media, coming at you with another episode of Pat's Daily, brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel Sportsbooks. So more from them later. For now, it's going to be a busy week for the Patriots. We got the franchise tag window opening. It's right before the combine, so we're already seeing a flurry of moves being made. The Patriots just announced their whole coaching staff. We saw the release of Lawrence Guy and Adrian Phillips, so moves are being made. And to preview what we're going to do with free agency, because, of course, we want to talk about the draft and all the young talent. But before you know what you need in the draft, you have to understand how your roster looks after free agency. So to preview that, I've got my good buddy, host of Locked On Dolphins and co-host of the NFL. uh, uh, Locked On NFL Scouting. I knew I was going to get the order messed up. Kyle Krabs, friend of the show. Kyle, thank you so much for stopping by again, brother. How are you doing? Taylor, I'm doing great, and uh, I'm glad that you got some breaking news dropped on your head right when you're getting ready to hit record on a show. That seems to be how it always is in this. Oh, you're going to go out with some friends on a Thursday night? Guess what? Boom. I had a. I was at a rehearsal dinner for my wife, then girlfriend at the time's best friend when the Dolphins traded Laramie Tunsil. So, like, all that stuff. It's just life in the bit, right? So, at least you were getting ready to do a show. It's you're getting ready to react to – uh, all these coaching moves that the Patriots formally announced. So excited to see what it looks like. Dude, when they announced the Alex Van Pelt signing, I like had done no research on him. I was midway through a show. We're about to close out. And then they dropped this. I have to literally Google, try to find the connections, all that stuff live on air. So this isn't quite as bad. And luckily, we're not going to talk about the coaching staff. This is more going to be about the roster. But from what you've seen so far with the Patriots, where the roster standing at, some of the additions they've made on that coaching staff, how do you feel about the situation they're at right now before free agency, before all this stuff in terms of what they can do to improve the roster and where they just really stand as of this moment? Yeah, I, I think probably the best parting gift that Bill left with this transition is there's not a lot of prorated dollars. I think they came into last year like bottom five in the NFL of like, prorated guaranteed monies from previous years that had been pushed out into future years. Like, so there's not a lot of cap that's been allocated for money that you've already written checks for in the past. Uh, There's some talent that is here and exists, but largely this is a blank slate opportunity. And I think when you have new people, even old people that are coming into new responsibilities and kind of this, reinvigorated approach on how you're going to approach football operations. Obviously when it was bill, it was bill is the judge during the executioner for football operations It's a little different than that. And to be able to come into an off season where you have some draft capital, you have top three salary cap spending power at your disposal across the entirety of the NFL. Uh, you have the opportunity to make it whatever you want to be. I know you've done a lot of background research already in the third overall pick quarterback not quarterback skill player offensive like you can choose 
what you want the identity to be because you're not tied to what the past identity was. And I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about for New England from a team building standpoint. Absolutely. Then looking at, like I said, there were some moves made even just today where we see um, Trent Brown. He had a void contract. It was like, all right, you want to sign an extension? Turn that not into dead money? Nope. They don't do anything with it. So he's going to be $2 million on the books. Then, like you, I said, you got some guys who might get tagged this week, like Mike and Wenu and Kyle Duggar. From your perspective, do you think it's likely we see either one of those guys tagged? You've seen a lot of their football over the past few years. What do you think the case would be maybe for either guy? And how realistic do you think it is we see one of those guys under Elliott Wolf get tagged? Yeah, I, I personally would be surprised if either one of them does get tagged just because there's so much financial financial flexibility. You know, for some teams, it's you get into the, the bidding market and, you know, if he hits the open market, he's going to get that 20, 25 percent bump just because you're bidding against multiple teams. I think the thing that that does kind of work against him in some regard is Duggar obviously is a safety. It's a low value position. So how high is Duggar going to want to swing as far as his own individual market. He's got the the right to explore and try to maximize this next contract of his. And on weighing you, I know there's there's some guard reps on film. There's some tackle reps on film. How does that fit within the Van Pelt offense as far as his movement skills? Where do they internally feel like he is? Is that in conflict with where he feels he is? If that's the case, then those I think are the pathways to getting a franchise tag done. If, if you're at, at odds with one another, but, uh, I, I would be surprised if they couldn't find common ground just because these are young, good players. And, and they should, especially because so many of the coaches on the defensive side of the ball understand what these players were because Gerard Mayo was there last year, right? There's an understanding on how to use and maximize Kyle Duggar. Right? I think if a different team were bringing him in, you maybe run the risk of, oh, we're bringing in a piece that is so versatile – Maybe we don't optimize in the best way that we could, so that, that hurts his value. I, I think New England knows what they have in both of those guys, and I would expect long-term deals to get done for both. And the tough thing is, when it was the Belichick era, they had that really weird history of not re-signing these kinds of players, where there's kind of a gap where the guys who like play well for them, especially with like Joe Tooney and Jacoby Myers, are kind of the poster child children. For, I played well for you, I'm well-respected in the locker room, you'd think that's really easy, re-sign, pay them, reward them, and that didn't happen. But now under this regime where Mayo's trying to foster more relationships, I think the goal is probably to keep more of those guys in-house. Elliot Wolf from that Packers system where they love making sure they can stay within the draft and then re-sign their own guys. Hopefully the likelihood will kind of swing in the player's favor where you do see those guys get rewarded and come back, especially considering what they meant for the team. In terms of the big-name free agents for the Patriots, like an Edwinu, like a Duggar, then you got guys like Hunter Henry, not as big of a name, but kind of in that same sort of realm. Which of their big name for agents do you actually see them retaining? Like we've already seen them get rid of Adrian Phillips and Lawrence Guy literally right before the show, where they're trying to get them off the books and kind of save somebody, let those guys go elsewhere. Who do you think uh, isn't going to be in New England? Who do you think will be retained at the end of the day? I I think guys who are entering into second contracts make a lot of sense because mm-hmm. this is a team, New England, that according to Spot Track has 60 less than 70 million dollars in total cap commitments for 2025. So 12 months from now, less than 100 million dollars, less than 70 million dollars in committed dollars. So guys that are looking for the next big contract out of 
rookie deals where you're you're really the chief labor of the NFL workforce. So Duggar, Anuenu, Josh Uche is a, a unique one, uh, just because I know he's he's such a good pass rush specialist, but really struggled in, in run defense. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are out that like that are out there like that this year, like Bryce Huff with the Jets is another player who is kind of in the same mold. Didn't get a huge snap count because of the run defense. Andrew Van Ginkle out of Miami is another name who stands out. He's a better pass rush specialist than he is a run defender. So maybe that brings his market down a little bit, and they do have an appetite to bring him back. But I think a guy like Hunter Henry is a great place to look to Ezekiel Elliott. You know, they're low-value positions on the offensive side of the ball. They're, they've played for high-dollar amounts in the past. If you're going to really go back to square one and build this thing up, taking advantage of let's get young guys in here, let's get young guys reps, let's embrace playing youth and guys that we can continue to evaluate over the next year, two years, and figure out who our next pillar players are, retaining players that block that doesn't make a lot of sense. So that for me is Zeke. I know he was productive this year in stretches. Hunter Henry, I know they paid him a big-time contract. Mike Isecki, I'd put in that same boat with, with those two guys. I, I just think they're they're blockades to getting young bloods in here that can help potentially move this rebuild along. In terms of the guys you think that they may not end up retaining for one reason or another, who are some guys that kind of pop out to you on the market that could potentially replace them? Like we can start with Trent Brown, right? Where he, mm -hmm. you know, it makes sense if he comes cheap and he hasn't burned bridges in the building, but that also feels closer to a pipe dream than reality. So for someone like a left tackle position, who on the market kind of catches your eye and you're like, all right, that's someone who could fit in this rebuilding Patriot system. Yeah, I think that's that's the toughest part is cross-referencing that with what the market itself looks like. I hate the tackle free agent market. I, yeah. I, I think it's super <laughs> underwhelming. You're talking George Fant, Donovan Smith. Those guys signed one-year $3 million contracts. Jonah Williams coming off of uh, kind of a disastrous move to right tackle. You got Mekhi Becton as a former first-round pick who just totally flamed out like Cameron Fleming, uh, wrote swing former guy Patriot. From, <laughs> former Patriot from Denver. Uh, Kendall Lamb with Miami was really good, played over half the snaps this year, but it's like a 10-year vet. So I think that's another layer to the Inwenu conversation that I think is really important to, to be mindful of. If you don't want to totally flush the system, if you, you're mindful of we got to field a team that, that we feel like we can work towards being competitive with, I don't love that group. I hate the tight end market. I think it's a horrible – I think there's like two good tight ends, Dalton Schultz and Noah Fan are the only tight ends that really move, move the needle for me that are set to be expiring contracts. So that complicates Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki. But at the same time, you can get athletic tight ends. Tight ends typically don't get drafted super high. I wouldn't be surprised if there were athletic guys that are out there on day two of the draft. So for me, I'd probably steer clear of some of these lean spots – now, there's spots that I think are loaded. I think the edge group has a lot of talented guys. I think the interior offensive line is a really good class this year. I think this, the safety group is absolutely loaded for free agency. Wide receiver looks good. So uh, quarterback, I know we're going to get into quarterback here, but uh, I think you have some attractive options there. There's places you spend and there's places you don't. The groups that I'm lowest on in free agency right now are offensive tackle, tight end, Probably cornerback. I'm expecting Snead to not mm. come off the board. My next best free agent cornerback's a nickel in Kenny Moore. So I don't really like that group a whole lot of corner either. 
Yeah, I like that you mentioned offensive tackle and tight end because those are two positions where really good players are extremely rare and they rarely are actually let into the market because you want to retain those guys. So I completely agree with tight end. The only other guy that kind of excites me is Harrison Bryant, and it probably wouldn't be the case if it weren't for Van Pelt. He's just someone who you know yep. you can line up everywhere. With that, you know, tight ends on their second contract, there's a little more likelihood that they're going to break out because it takes so long to adjust to that position in the NFL. And then tackle, I'm there with you. Like, I'm looking at it and I say, okay, if they don't re-sign Trent Brown, it's probably Jonah Williams at left tackle. And right tackle, you're looking at, like, James Illuminor. If you want value yeah. and someone who's going to play pretty well for you, there's just not a lot of great options. So I completely agree. Whether or not they draft somebody, I think this is a position they have to address in some capacity in free agency. We're going to get to some other positions, but first, quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so while we mentioned the offensive line, we talked about offensive tackle not looking great. What about the interior? Because that's a spot where I think, you know, some eagle-eyed Patriots fans have been on top of this and saying, all right, we understand that, like, Cole Strange is hurt. And there's, you know, some we don't know what's going to happen with David Andrews yet, even if he does return. Mm -hmm. But I think it's easy for it to slide under the radar because there's so many other big priorities. That off interior offensive line, because they drafted so many guys last year, seems like uh, they've got some depth. But considering Jake Andrews hasn't really played a ton, Antonio Maffi had a really steep learning curve last year. Mm -hmm. I really don't think he's someone you can go into the year saying, yes, he's our backup. We feel good about it. So who are some veterans who you think could come in and compete for that starting spot, but are really going to look for kind of backup contracts where they understand at this point in the year they're more quality backup guys who can be spot starters? So the way that I, I tear out my free agency, I, I've watched about 120 players getting ready for free agency and the most stacked group is tier five. I have eight tiers. So it's middle-class interior offensive lineman. It is the mm -hmm. fullest group. And it's got guys like John Simpson with the Baltimore Ravens, who was a starter, but there was a progression plan that was involved there with them letting Ben powers go in free agency to sign a $13.3 million contract per season in Denver and John Simpson steps in at left guard, plays one year, all 17 games, is a sufficient level starter 
but he's coming off a rookie contract. Maybe he wants to, to aim high because he's a starter. Okay. How about Graham Glasgow with the Detroit Lions, a guy who's got center guard flexibility and don't, wasn't supposed to be a starter. He ends up playing a lot for Detroit. Uh, I, I think about Cody Whitehair as a guy that just hit. If you want a veteran presence, I think he can still go. I think the legs are starting to show a little bit of wear, and I think that's slowing him down a little bit. So I think it's a no-brainer for Chicago. But uh, if you need a veteran in that room in the midst of, if you think that's going to help Jake Andrews and Antonio Mafia, I, I think that's a player that makes a lot of sense too. Coleman Shelton, center from the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a scheme-specific type of starting player. And I think he fits the scheme that Van Pelt has coming over from Cleveland. Uh, John Runyon from the Packers. Uh, he's They rotated guards at Green Bay. He, he was mm-hmm. rotating with Sean Ryan for a stretch last year. So Lucas Patrick with Chicago is another center guard flex guy. So there's just so many names. I didn't mention guys that I think are, are more definitively starters like Tyler Beattis and, and Kevin Dotson and Jonah Jackson, the other uh, guard from Detroit. This is a really, really robust group. And I, I think if that's the kind of you want healthy competition on your interior and you don't want to spend more than three, four million dollars per season for it, that's the position group in free agency in my mind, especially because it's interior offensive linemen. So they're not paid like tackles. And there's so many of them. And teams are going to want to invest those dollars at tackle and edge rusher and corner and wide receiver. Like the premium positions are going to get the dollars. So now you got a, a supply versus demand issue where you got all these names plus names that I didn't even mention, like Robert Hunt, Connor Williams as top end free agents, potentially not getting extensions from the Dolphins. I'm head over heels for Damian Lewis out of Seattle. I think that's a, a quality starter. I think he's really good. Lloyd Cushenberry at center from Denver. This, this is they keep the, coming. The stack room. Stack room. <laughs> And that's good news because I feel like the one – I mean, one thing, this offensive line last year for the Patriots was a mess. But on the interior specifically, they had bodies, but that veteran depth was severely lacking. Like, he threw James Ferentz in there, didn't take long for his warts to get exposed, and now he just retired. Like, wish him all the best, but it was pretty clear that at that point in his career, he was more of a coach and, like, a voice in the locker room and in the classroom. And now they really don't have that kind of guy. So good to hear that from your perspective, and I know you do a great job looking at these guys, that it is a robust market where they can get some bodies. Now, for the guys that the offensive linemen are protecting, the quarterback, seems like the Patriots can either have an overhaul or at the very least they're probably going into 2024 with Bailey's happy, or at least going into free agency with mm-hmm. Bailey's happy as the guy. Reports have indicated that Mac Jones is likely to be elsewhere in 2024, most likely as a trade candidate. So who are some veteran options? Because I think it's a foregone conclusion the Patriots are going to get a quarterback, whether it's somebody they need to develop long-term or somebody maybe just sit them for a year, work out all the bad habits, and try to give them a fresh start at the NFL level. Who are some options you think the Patriots could bring in, whether it's somebody like a Kirk Cousins? You know, they say, hey, we actually want to make a real push in the playoffs, even though I don't think that seems likely considering what Cousins might want. And then maybe some other guys who are somewhere in between or could at least be some veteran stopgaps. Yeah, I think maybe you look for guys that are, are looking to reignite uh, their their careers or, or, or wanting to compete for a starting job. I think about Drew Locke, a former second-round pick. Denver gets traded to Seattle came in and balled out against the Eagles uh, down late in December and helped them win a game that that helped stave off a, a losing streak in the midst of them trying to make a postseason run. Uh, so he, he played limited snaps this past year, but was pretty good in them. Uh, Gardner Minshew, 
Obviously, the Patriots fans saw him up close and personal in that barn burner of a Germany game that was played. But uh, Scares the dickens out of me. I'll tell you, after that game, I got a little bit of PTSD. I'm like, you do some cool stuff, but also, oh my gosh, what was going on for half that game? That, that's the perfect veteran bridge, right? Because you know there's a process versus results thing with Gardner, and the process allows some stuff to happen because he's so creative, and the results sometimes outperform that. Um, but, but that's never going to be a guy who's in your quarterback room that if there's a young guy there, people are going to be like, no, we need to start Gardner Minshew ahead of Jaden Daniels or Drake may or Kate, like whoever the quarterback ends up being, nobody's going to be less likely to create a, a void or split than Gardner Minshew, um, uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, what, what's the situation with, uh, Baker, Liam Cohen's now the OC in Tampa Bay. Uh, Dave Canales leaves to go be the head coach in Carolina. I thought Canales did an outstanding job with Baker. Is Liam Cohen, like, is is that for sure going to get him back in the boat where Mike Evans is potentially leaving in free agency? Baker came out, I think it was Super Bowl week, and said we, we have to know who the OC is before we talk contract. Like, came straight out and said it. So maybe that's a, another starting name on the market. I think that's probably a little bit more attractive than Kirk Cousins, just because Kirk, even off the Achilles as a 36-year-old quarterback, is, is probably still going to be $40-plus million per season. That's kind of my expectation for his market. Jameis, so like there, there's guys out there that Baker's the one who's already created the spike because Baker this time last year signed a one-year $4 million contract in Tampa Bay. And now he's looking at signing high 20s, mid-30s, and getting starter money somewhere. So if you ask me who those guys are that maybe could do that in New England – Winston, Drew Locke, I think are the two that give you the best chance if you're looking to potentially find a starter in free agency. Mayfield's especially interesting because of the Mike Evans situation, where Adam Schefter dropped some tweets yesterday where it made it sound like Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley, two guys who was pretty much, or not as much oh, yeah. Ridley, but really Mike Evans, it was like, oh yeah, he's going to be back at Tampa most likely. Now, not so sure right? Because of the changing on the coaching staff and we don't know what's going to happen with Baker. So you mentioned, you think this wide receiver class is actually pretty good. I feel like it's, it looks really enticing. And then you look and say, okay, how many of these guys are actually even going to hit the market? But even if they get tagged, there are trade possibilities. So what's your outlook on this wide receiver market to who the Patriots could realistically be going after? Yeah. I think there's a big four uh, that are expiring contracts with T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Jr., Calvin Ridley, and Mike Evans. I think those are the four needle moving, quality starter plus and two of those guys are young and Pittman and Higgins that could potentially be cornerstones for your offense I expect Cincinnati to use the tag on Higgins just because they're going to do a Jamar Chase contract extension that's probably going to be the number one wide receiver contract out there and that's going to be over 30 million dollars and they got Joe Burrow getting 55 per on average so are you really going to pay T2025 and pay over $100 million in cap on an annual basis because they're not a team that likes to restructure at a super high rate? $100 million in cap space for two wide receivers and a quarterback? Probably not. Not long-term at least, but you could put them on the franchise tag and, and keep them in for another year and, and try to make another run. Or Pittman, the, the, the thing that's going to be the blockade for Pittman is the Colts have a ton of cap space as well. And I expect that they'll probably have a pretty honest crack at getting a, a, a contract done. But Ridley, that's a there's a stipulated pick that's attached to Calvin Ridley. If the Jaguars re-sign him, it's a two, and that's a top 50 pick. If they don't re-sign him, it's a, a mid-three. I think it's like 78 or 79 in the draft order. So I think he's got a decent chance to hit the market. 
He's everything that everyone not named Pop Douglas is in the Patriots wide receiver room this past year, right? Like big time route runner, separator, super dynamic, athletic, quick twitch versus all these like non-separation guys. So I think he'd be a good infusion of somebody new. And I think he's probably going to be in the teens. So it's not like you're giving out a big time wide receiver contract for Calvin Ridley. So that's the one. If you want to go cheaper, I like Curtis Samuel. He kind of had a little bit of emergence this year. There's been some durability stuff. I like Darnell Mooney. I think Darnell Mooney got open a lot more than, than what he was able to showcase. Um, maybe a little bit of rawness at the top of the route where I think he and Justin Fields weren't on the same page, but dude got open a ton. So those are two other guys that I think are from that same body type as Calvin Ridley that, again, are so different than what the majority of the Patriots wide receivers were this past year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just out of curiosity, what are your thoughts on Gabe Davis? Because we watch a lot of them, you know, see him twice a year at least. And I, the X market, I feel like is very shallow. I feel like honestly, it's Mike Evans, it's T Higgins. You could put Calvin Ridley there. I don't think that's where he's best. I feel like he's really more of a C at this point in his career. If you really want to like maximize his value. So if the Pats are saying, Hey, we really don't have anybody Devontae Parker going into the draft who we feel like can really play that kind of spot. Is there, do you think he'll be worth whatever value he tries to get on the open market? Or is that just like, Hey, let Buffalo probably, or some other team just pay him whatever they want. I, I don't get worth the, squeeze. I don't get the sense that Buffalo is going to bring him back. And mm. I don't get the sense that I felt for two years that Buffalo had an upgrade opportunity with Gabe Davis because he's kind of one dimensional with his route running ability Felt like he and Josh Allen had a lot of miscommunications on routes down the field based on coverage leverage, some missed throws in big moments targeting Gabe Davis that felt, you know, I think the Philadelphia game comes to mind. Uh, the throw at the end of the Kansas City game comes to mind. There, so there, there's just these, these glimpses in my mind of Gabe Davis that I can't quite shake. And then he's not a very diverse route runner. I think he's somebody who will probably look to try to cash in because he's had production courtesy of being in that Bills offense and being the second wide receiver. He's probably looking – what did Nelson Aguilar get from the Patriots when he signed 11? Was it 11 something per? like that. Yeah, they'd be like 11-5 or something like, like that. He, he's going to be in that ballpark, I think. And for that price, I, I'd say no thanks. You could give me DJ Chark for half that dollar amount for another like big-bodied vertical plane wide receiver if you wanted it. Um or you could draft somebody, you know, maybe you can get Cedric Wilson for three, $4 million a year as a big body guy too, mm -hmm. who could play on the outside and block. Uh, he's, his contract just voided for Miami. So um, 
I would not be in play for Gabe Davis at his price point. I agree. I agree. Just curious because I know you watch a lot of them. All right, mm-hmm. moving on to the defensive side of the ball. So I mentioned it a couple of times. Lawrence Guy's been released. And defensive line was another one of those. Like, there's a lot of other meets for the Patriots. You know, they could probably survive this year. But that's one where you start thinking, okay, they really are guaranteed to add some kind of bodies, whether it's through the draft or whether it's through free agency. And then I know I want to get your thoughts also on Matthew Judon because he's in the last year of his deal. He's coming off mm-hmm. an injury. Probably either an extension candidate or he's somebody they're going to trade. So who do you think on this free agent market is someone they could plug in, whether it's interior or on the edge? I feel like they can't really be too picky. Who you think could come in and add some value really is more of an every down presence most likely because I feel like if Judon is someone they do want to get rid of, or even if they don't, with him kind of getting up there in age, I feel like they want somebody who can contribute as a run defender and a pass rusher as opposed to like a Jennings or an Uche where they're really on the field to do one thing and you got to take them off in certain situations. I think your best value opportunities are probably going to be the top of the interior defensive lineman market. Uh, Like you're going to pay for Chris Jones, but you know what you're going to get for Chris Jones. You're going to pay for Christian Wilkins. Uh, I think there's a pretty good chance he hits the market. They just sound like they're far apart on dollars. Um, Wilkins made a huge leap this year, had nine sacks. Uh, I think he was always capable of doing that. You guys know it full well. That Belichick style defense is very gap control oriented. We're going to not be over aggressive to get backfield penetration. Our scheme rushes, our pass rushes are going to be schemed a lot of the time to attack protection and attack an individual matchup or create miscommunication and picks. And he did all that dirty work at a really high level. And then this past year, it was kind of, no, you get to go pass, rush the passer. And he had nine sacks this year. And he's probably going to be a 23, $24 million a year player. That's probably like the, the market that he's looking for. Um, if you want to get more economic than that, I think Daquan Jones from the Bills is a really good name. I think he played for $7 million this this past year, and he was another guy who got out of a gap control style scheme into more of an attack-oriented front, and he was unblockable for the first month of the season. He has an injury, comes back and plays well for him again. Uh, he's a little bit of an older player, so I think that maybe works against you, but I think if you want to get like plug in like high volume snap takers on the defensive line, I think your interior defensive line group really showcases itself well, just because at, at the edge group, it's Brian Burns or are we over the moon with Brian Burns as a a run defender? If that's, you're going to try to take a lot of the same ideals from what you've been doing defensively. I just don't know that that's a great fit. What's the age blockade for guys like Zadarius Smith and Jadavion Clowney. Is that too old of a player to bring in and pay 10 plus million dollars for both of those guys could make an argument for 15. Uh, Smith played for just short of 12 this past year and Clowney signed for uh, what was it? Five, six, but he'll probably look to double that with how good of a year he had in Baltimore. So I think the value and the, the getting your money's worth is going to come on the interior. If you're going to sign a guy in free agency. Do you think it still makes sense to throw money at an interior lineman if they end up extending Barmore? Because it feels like he's their guy in-house. So if you're going to be paying someone on that defensive line anytime soon, you got to prioritize him. But at the same time, you still got a year away. So if you're saying, okay, you know, maybe you go cheaper on the edges or got a young guys where it's really more of that control, make sure nobody gets outside of you, just harass guys up the middle. How do you feel about investing at the same position with that kind of money? Yeah, I, I think there's room for multiple guys uh, just because if you're going to go odd front, you, you can have two B-gap guys that can be real studs and, and can really dictate terms and then just have a, a, a space eater inside 
at, on the nose tackle over top of the center. And then when you go even front, so when you play nickel or your sub package or your big dime or whatever it is, uh, those two guys can still continue to rough, rush the passer. And I think when you think about the division that the, the Patriots are in, interior pressure is the most consistent way to disrupt I think two of the quarterbacks in the division, both Miami and Buffalo, where you got to be really mindful of your rush lanes against Josh Allen. You can't rush off the outside stem and dip into the B gap because he's going to find his way outside of it. So being able to cage rush him and maintain pocket integrity and then get disruption on the inside, I think is the best way to disrupt Josh. And then just because of Tua Tungvaloa's stature, how they like to throw over the middle of the field, uh, I think that's the argument to be made to if you were going to pay two guys on the defensive interior, you build your team largely t- to have success against your division. And I think those two quarterbacks, that's a really good way for them to go about trying to do that. I hope they do. Honestly, I would love to, you, you want to build a good spine. And right now, if you start with two high level defensive tackles, that's a pretty damn good start. All right. We're going to close up with the back end. We touched briefly on the safety market. Kyle Duggar probably going to come back, even if it isn't on the tag. But in a reality or in a world where maybe he doesn't come back, like obviously Adrian Phillips didn't really play a ton of defense last year. Like even when they were kind of getting hurt by injury, he still didn't play very much. So his departure doesn't really do a lot for me in terms of that. But if Kyle Duggar isn't around or even if they're saying, hey, Marte Mapu was solid, but we may need some better insurance for those three safety packages where we know we got some impact players. Who are some guys that you think should jump out for New England? This is another middle class position that I think has a lot of depth. In for, for expiring contracts. Uh, and there, there's more at the top of this free agent group than there is at, on the, the interior offensive line, too. When you, you talk about Duggar, Xavier McKinney with the Giants, Antoine Winfield potentially being an expiring contract, like you got those guys. Okay, now we, we got a couple of guys that might get the Jesse Bates $15, $16 million a year. That trickle down effect is going to impact these middle class guys like. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and J. Ron Curse with the Cowboys and to Sean Gibson, who I think has been really good the past couple of years in San Francisco and the, the two Ram safeties, Jordan Fuller and John Johnson and the Colts, Julian Blackman and Jordan Whitehead, who's a big time striker with the New York Jets or Alohi Gilman, who had a really good season stepping in as a starter this year. Uh, Deshaun Elliott was a reliable player for the Dolphins on the back end. So uh, Geno Stone had seven picks this year on a one-year seven, $1.7 million me. contract. So, like, that that's a ton of names. And then from the same cl- draft class as Kyle Duggar, you have a guy who wore out his welcome and, and kind of fell out of grace with the coaching staff in Carolina and Jeremy Chin, who has a lot of the same physical attributes. I remember that draft class and that whole debate about those two, like, supersized safeties with these, these superhero physical abilities and athletic profiles. So uh, there's probably – double digit options for like middle-class adequate level starter uh, safeties that are probably going to be out there. And because there's a few guys at the top that might milk some of the big money that can go to that position. I think that trickle down is going to have these guys signing for good deals. Kyle, this was a blast. Always appreciate you coming on brother. Always learn so much before I let you out of here, please let the people know where they can find you and what great work you got coming down the pipeline. Yeah, we, uh, we are over at Locked On NFL Scouting with Joe Marino, who's sadly Bills fans. The only bad thing about him, I won't hold it against him. You guys shouldn't either, but come on over, check us out. And then I am over at Locked On Dolphins. Uh, all the Locked On shows are available on YouTube or wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast. Seriously, if you want to get updated on this free agency class, I've been using you guys as a cheat sheet. So 
love your work highly recommend thank you for being on again buddy thank you all as always for watching we're gonna get out of here but first take care of yourselves take care of each other